Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Geek Vibes Nation has made the switch to Anchor. Let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more great podcast networks. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, let's talk. Like, honestly, let's talk. About something we could all use more of. Sex. Great sex. Uh, Now you can increase your performance and that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises, which hopefully is often for you. Blue Chew is made in the USA. It's prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor or wait in line. It's even cheaper than a pharmacy and they prepare and ship it right to you in a discreet package. No awkwardness, no buying your business. Um, and you don't need to leave the house. All right, now, right now we got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code GEEK, that's G-E-E-K. Just pay $5 for shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E com. Promo code is G-E-E-K. Try it for free. Blue Chew is better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. And remember, when you support our sponsors, you help make this podcast possible. So please be sure to use our promo code G-E-E-K, geek, at bluechew.com. You won't regret it. Welcome to an all-new episode of Much To Do About Nothing. We've had a pretty long hiatus, but we are back. 
we are back and better than ever. It's kind of hard to do a show uh, like Much to Do About Nothing when there's literally much to do about nothing. Uh, there was no news, no no sports, no nothing. Um, but now it looks like it's starting to kick back up with news and or sports possibly. So all the reason to do it. But I'm, of course, joined by Joel. What's going on, Joel? What's up, Juan? I'm excited to do this show, man. Um, you are very passionate about this Justice League um, Snyder Cut news. Um, so I huh. definitely want to start there. I've said a lot from Geek Vibes Live, so I want to start with you. Um, your thoughts on the Snyder Cut actually happening uh, and what you think some of the ramifications afterwards will be. Um, yeah, I've been wanting to talk about it for a while because it's like, it just well, it just happened. <laughs> so, um, and you know, we've talked about it for almost years now. What three years? It's been since the original Justice League came out. So, yeah, we've been um, we've been having the, the conversations forever now. Like Zack Snyder releasing pictures and videos and teases, and I, I was tired of it because I'm like, look, if we're never gonna see it, stop teasing me with the bullshit. So I didn't want to know more about something I was never gonna see. So why hype myself up? That's really my, my stance on it. And my, my, my stance on the whole Justice League Snyder Cut uh, was always cool if it did, but I was fine if it didn't. I was more looking towards the future. The past is the past. I didn't want to live there. I've moved on, you know? Right. Um, but if it ever came out, I would love to see it, of course, you know? But, you know, I never knew how likely it would be. You know, for the longest time, it just didn't seem likely. It just really didn't. Well, and I never doubted that there was a version of movie. It just wasn't was it finished. I didn't know. I have no idea. Because um, we're not back there. We don't know, you know, the back and forth. But forever they've said, yeah, there's a version of the movie you can watch. I'm like, All right, cool. And it looks like there really is. And the fact that it's not just that they're going to release that version. It seems that they're giving them money to even put, like, the cherry on top, you know? Right. Could the the exact amount was... Uh, Hold on. Do you? I think I have it here in my notes. Um, so apparently, uh, to do this, to add some, to finish some VF, uh, VFX, the score, uh, finish the cut, <clears throat> a few people may be brought back on uh, for some more dialogue, could cost between 20 and $30 million. Yeah. The fact that they're giving them money means they're in somewhat good terms. That's how you have to look at it. No one gives them money like that. And it made a lot of sense. If you're going to release it, you wait for the HBO Max release. Money-wise, business-wise, it just made a lot of sense to wait till then. Uh, always has. Always has. Uh, and, uh, and that's why I'd pro- I don't know when they officially agreed on it, but it does make sense to wait this long for, you know, to, to release on HBO Max. Whether it's a movie, a four-hour movie or whatever the fuck, or a series like they did with um, – um, they did a real Tarantino did it on Netflix with um. Oh yeah, um, I know which movie you're talking about with Samuel Jackson. It was a western. I know what you're talking. Yes, about. Yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. I can't remember it off the top of my head at the moment, but yeah, that they did that. It was like five parts or whatever the fuck. Yeah, because that's a long ass movie. Very. I did. I watched that shit. In, in, yeah. Um, but if they do that, I'm fine with that. Yeah, my my biggest thing was um, my biggest problem i would say <clears throat> is and no one's really paying attention to it but fans are so excited no one really cares so i get that let me preface that by saying i get it 
But what no one's really realizing is this isn't for them. Um, AT&T and Warner Brothers agreeing to do this is a way, <clears throat> excuse me, to enhance the numbers for HBO Max a year from now. Like this, mm -hmm. HBO Max releases this week. So we're talking a year from now, they're trying to make sure that they have something for us to look forward to that people yeah. want. What was the first thing that everyone did when The Mandalorian was over? I don't well, know. Fuck no more. On yeah, yeah exactly. some people. So yeah. HBO Max is trying to say, what do we really have that someone's looking forward to um, mm -hmm. that they're willing to stay? I know. We'll give them the Snyder Cut. We'll fund it because we know if we can get at least 80% of these Snyder uh, cult fans to subscribe, yeah. It, it makes up. It makes up the, the cost that it's, it's, it's costing to make this. So, face like it goes from like a negative to a positive now, right? Because everything's been negative, and every HBO Max like a trailer has released a Snyder cut underneath of it because they, they harassed them so hard. They waited and they're like, fuck it, we'll release it now, or we'll tell them about it now, whether we'll release it next year, but they'll stick around, you know. Like you said, till 2021 for the release. Right. And even if even if they don't stick around, right? Because that's a lot of time. Because remember, we don't have a date. I'm just saying a year from now because it's next year. Um, right. All intents and purposes, he can't do nothing until they're able to start shooting again. Um, so let's say this comes out June or July of next year, which would actually be pretty smart for a summer. Um you know, they're saying if even if people leave after the 27th of this month, we know our numbers will go through the roof when that when that project releases. Now, what I was telling Tia and Dom, this bothered me about Zach back with BVS. And I, I, let me start by saying I'm not blaming Zach at all. But I am never a fan of you release something and then you say, not really what I wanted to give you guys. Here's an extended cut of that. Like to me, I understand that's essentially what deleted scenes are. What I couldn't show you, but this is what I wanted to do. I prefer that because it doesn't take away from what the actual movie is, right? So I look at this and I kind of go, I was very against when they uh, released the extended cut for BVS, even though it helped the movie tremendously. But what upset me was, there's so much of BVS that you could have taken out and put in the extra footage that he put in the extended cut. So yeah. I, look, I look at it to where I'm like, <clears throat> I look at people like Josh Trank, for example. We know he wasn't able to do anything he wanted to do with Fantastic Four. Like, nothing. Right? So essentially, Josh Trank would have loved a Trank cut where he could have made the movie that he wanted to make, but obviously will never be given that opportunity. So then you have someone like Zach that comes in who was able to do this twice. Like, think about it. This Snyder Cut essentially is an extended cut of the actual theatrical release that we got. Um, just like he was able to do that with BBS. So to me, I'm kind of just like, it takes away. BBS, they didn't get, they didn't tamper with BBS like they tampered with Justice League. BBS just got cut like 30 minutes of because they right. wanted to keep it under three hours or whatever the fuck. So that's why I got kind of screwed there. He's like, I had to cut a half hour out of the movie 
and it kind of screwed with the story a little bit, and it did. And like it's a, it's a more fleshed out the three hour cut of the movie, and it's more like I guess it, it deserved a rated R rating, I guess. <laughs> um, but for me, as a person that watched BBS, like it didn't really fix the problems I had with BBS. You know, not that I had many, but I well the problems I had with BBS weren't the the half hour that he, he added. You know, <laughs> you know. I mean. I saw it recently, and this is what I think of. The beginning scene where we see Jimmy Olsen die and Superman comes in and saves Lois. Take that out. The scene where Clark is, is watching the news and then joins Lois in the bath. Take that out. The scene um, where we see Ben getting, uh, like, working out, getting ready to, uh, to face off against Superman. If that wasn't in the extended cut, taking out those three scenes between the theatrical and the extended cut, you could have had the movie theatrical, uh, the theatrical release that you wanted. Like that whole beginning scene, it just really was nothing. Like it, at, at the end of the day, it turned out to be nothing. Like her finding the bullet and then going like, oh, Lex had something to do with it. It really did nothing. Like Lex went to jail for Doomsday, not for the stuff he pulled overseas. So I'm like, it just, right. it, it was for nothing. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of some of the stuff that bothered me, but again, I said this on Geek Vibes Live, I want to say it again. If you are excited for this project, I am happy for you, um, because it takes a lot of energy to do what they did for three years straight, um, and it's something me nor you, Joel, would ever do. There's plenty of stuff we want to see that we just aren't taking pitchforks and, <laughs> you know, setting fires to internets to, to oh. Me to harass people for for a day imagine three years yeah yeah it's just it, it's not in us but i'm glad these snyder uh these snyder fans got to get their wish um yeah. i, I want to ask you this now i want to kind of turn the page a little bit um there's been talks uh obviously he's been playing it up also um do you think there's any way possible air gets his cut made it seems likely now I mean, I don't know how likely, but it seems like AT&T seems to be on board. <laughs> if AT&T is on board, I don't see why not. I think there's a chance. I don't know how much of it needs to get done, though. Like, we know maybe the last half of the movie seems to be where the biggest tampering went, went you know, was really the, the end of the movie. Um, but I'm not sure, really. I'm not 100% sure what that looks like. I don't know, like, how much money would need to be given. Will there need to be reshoots? Or was it already shot and he had to cut it? You know, that's really the thing. What happened with Snyder is that Snyder filmed most of it. They just refilmed over. They just they had to do extensive reshoots because they're, like, they're not keeping those scenes. Like, oh, well, what the, well, he wasted his time, basically. And, like, cutting and like, doing all the things, you know. So... That's why it's really it depends on how much work needs to get done uh, for his version of, of of the Suicide Squad because we know Suicide Squad was actually more connected to to Justice League than the original version of it was you know because they it featured boom tubes and parademons more so than those weird bubbly things that we ended up seeing <laughs> right right. So, I mean, I, I look at it, and this is a very unique situation because Kanan said this to me. Um, he was asking me, uh, well, he was telling me that, you know, with Henry Cavill being part of the Man of Steel, uh, you know, watch party that they did and then being a part of the Snyder Cut News, um, like this obviously means he's coming back. And I told him, I don't know that, only because 
as of right now, once Snyder said the Snyder Cut was coming, that let me know two things. One, Warner Brothers doesn't run shit anymore. It looks like AT and T. And two, Warner Brothers. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Warner Brothers. No, 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 no. I'm saying like Warner Brothers itself as, as its own entity isn't making decisions anymore. Like Feige is still able to make decisions under the MCU umbrella under Disney. Like Disney doesn't come out and tell you what's about to happen. Feige does it. We thought Hamada was, was supposed to be the, the Feige of this DC universe. And now it seems like AT&T is like, no, you shouldn't talk anymore. We'll, we'll take it from here. Well, the problem with that is that, like, like Toby Emmerich was the one that they approached Snyder. So Toby Emmerich is charge of Warner Bros. Studios. Problem was before him, which was Sujahara, mm-hmm. and that's those are, those fuckers really fucked it up. It was really them and, and his people around him, where they they screwed with BBS, they screwed with Justice, the Suicide Squad. They're no longer there. <laughs> so it took time to to clear the air, uh, and then it needed people on top. You remember, Sujahara was on top, right. <laughs> all the way up. Yeah, uh, for for them to get support to to go forward with certain other things, and so it looks like AT and T is more like, hey, what was wrong with the movie? It seems okay to me. <laughs> like, uh, and that's why we're going forward. That's why they've seemed to be giving green light to certain things now. They have the money to do it. They know there was a larger amount of support for it. So, like, it might be worth the money to do it, especially with this giant streaming service that we're charging $15 a month. I mean, $15 uh, per month for. You know, it's, it's a lot. And then don't get me wrong. That's already how much they were charging just HBO. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you fifteen dollars a month for just HBO. Now they're like, but now it's plus. It's real right. mad, you know? right? Um, but no, I mean, look, I, I really do think Henry will be back. I think we always thought he would be back. It just was a matter of, yeah. Whenever they do a Superman movie, I assume he'd be back. It just didn't look like they were going to do a Superman movie anytime soon, right? Um, but that obviously looks to be course corrected, which is great. I mean, um, I just I, I told. I told Kanan, when it comes to Warner Brothers, I just don't like to get my hopes up. Like, me and you never asked for a Snyder Cut. So this isn't something that, like, appeals to us. It's like, all right, we're definitely going to watch it. But, like, we weren't yearning for this. No, so <laughs> my first steps will be to see what they do with Superman. Is it still Henry Cavill? When will it get greenlit? When will Green Lantern get greenlit? Or will the series be what introduces the movie? Like, those are my important questions that I'm waiting to see how they get answered. Um, And if uh, Warner Brothers wants to go in a different direction than where they were last year, which was, don't really look for these to connect. We're not really world building. We're just putting out movies. You doing this Justice League movie, you have to know people are now going to want to see a Justice League again sooner rather than later obviously not within the next three uh two or three years but that four or five year mark they're looking for you to connect something something somewhere so i mean that's more important than uh the idea of like a snyder cut it's more like what are you doing with your universe like i'm cool watching them as individuals but i want to see wonder woman shake hands with superman at some point like it's, it's what we want that's always what I wanted. I mean, that, that to me, it's always been important to keep the universe together, uh, <clears throat> even if you have to more to isolate the movies a little more, just so the directors have more freedom. Um, so for me, it was always about 
what's the that's why i was always more worried about the future like how are they going to fix this so that we can have a connected universe because that's what i prefer i know people are like nah just have them by themselves I'm like, but we've had that forever right I'm with that like the, 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 it's all about connecting now like marvel can do it i want to see dc do it i know it's different but it's not if i want to see my characters connect they do it in the cartoons they do it in the comic books they did it in movies even though it kind of fell on its face they still can do it you know i don't want i don't want to hear any type of bullshit just because they failed the first time doesn't mean they can't they can't go forward and do it right and now because there's so much positivity towards this just the snyder cut hopefully it's, it's received well enough where they're like hey we have a universe and <laughs> it's not as dead as we thought it was. Right. I mean, cause I, I said this uh, on geek vibes live. I am really sick of looking at this DC universe as the little brother of the superhero movie universe. Mm -hmm. When you have two, if not three, Wonder Woman might be somewhat of a stretch, but I'd say three of the most iconic superhero characters ever made. I think people keep forgetting no one cared about Iron Man in the 90s. No one cared about Thor, Captain America, Black Panther. None of these characters that are prominent now in the MCU, no one was checking for them in the 90s. That's why when Feige wanted to start with Iron Man, a lot of people were like, why? <laughs> Who likes Iron Man? And it happened to work. So I look at DC and I'm like, I never would have thought in a world, like we'd be in a world where Iron Man, Cap, and Thor are looked at higher than Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Like, it's right. insane to me. It's bizarro world. It's bizarro world. So I'm like, I want DC to get to a point to where when a movie releases, like when their movies release, I know I'm walking into a, a, a top-level DC movie and a top-level Marvel movie mm -hmm. uh, where we can finally start saying, oh, they're right here. They're mm -hmm. right here. And then slowly wait for Valiant to start creeping up. Well, we can say we got three different heads, right? Decided to show the characters more in the movie. It'd be nice. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, but no, me and you have always felt this way, Joel, that we want DC to be respected uh, as it is in the cartoon world, the comic book world, um, even to some degree the DC TV world. Um, it's highly respected. Mar Marvel doesn't really have um, like regular tv uh shows that are like hits like agents of shield how it survived so long with it it's not really that well received is beyond shocking to me um yeah. but agent marvel's Carter, peak, it was definitely marvel's uh peak of tv is netflix obviously all oh, right with the, and friend and the defenders you know that was peak marvel tv for sure um and then you look at like <clears throat> excuse me agent carter was a swing in the miss um, didn't really last long. It should have. I thought it. I thought it had legs, but it didn't. Um, right. So you look at Arrow. That went eight seasons. Flash is on six. Um, Legends of Tomorrow on what, like four or five. Black Lightning's on three or four. Look, CW has its haters, but they built a nice universe there, regardless. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm gonna say this again. I actually, because uh, Flash dropped on Netflix this this current season, so I was watching mm -hmm. it over again, and. Just seeing Flash run into a black hole while Flash Gordon's Flash plays, um, <laughs> like one of the coolest moments ever. Um, seeing Ezra and Grant shake hands was like the coolest thing ever. Kevin Conroy uh, as Kingdom Come Batman. Like, for people that hate it, I'm like, they were able to do things that your movie universe still to this day isn't able to do, 
which was build a universe. <laughs> like it built a universe and it sustained oh. it. It sustained it enough for us to have a crisis on infinite earths. You're more mm. uh, well-versed in that comic. I'm sure if someone asked you five years ago, yo, could you see CW doing crisis on infinite earths? You'd be like, um, no. I don't even know if these shows are going to last long enough to do a crisis. So to see it happen, yeah. it's like... Every, yep. Every year, every year, a show is expected to be canceled. And they never get canceled. <laughs> they never get canceled. Yeah. <laughs> it's like very rare uh, that those shows ever get canceled because they get views. They really do. Even if the ratings aren't very high, people watch them. There, there's a fan base behind it, believe it or not. It, it might get hate here and there, uh, but the CW, that's where the money is. The DC, the DC universe they created on CW is a moneymaker. It's very lucrative. And again, I think they're doing a great job um, seeing Black Lightning and Flash on the same screen together, crazy. Seeing Kingdom Come Superman with, uh, you know, the CW's version of Superman, crazy. Like, they just did so many things you just look at and you kind of go, wow, <laughs> wow. Um, but speaking of CW, we can get to Batwoman news, which was very uh, sad for me to digest which was Batwoman loses its star. It's been reported that Ruby Rose was unhappy with the long hours required of her as the series lead, which led to friction on set. It was thus decided by her and the network and studio Warner Brothers Television that they would part ways. Joel, you know I was very high on this season of Batwoman. And More than anyone on the planet. Exactly. So you're my witness that this wasn't after they showed the, the jaw dropper at this last episode. I've been telling you this since like episode one or two, how much mm -hmm. I love this show. Um, <clears throat> so, and I don't recall ever complaining about Ruby Rose to you. I don't, I don't remember if I did. No, when got cast that's about right. And I said <laughs> nothing about Ruby Rose. I thought she was good for the role. Um, I thought she could easily play a female playboy version of Bruce. Um, and she did it well. She was able to do the fighting really good. The choreography was solid. I thought the villain and, and her sister, who I think is one of the best actors in CW uh, DC history. Um, I just thought the show top to bottom was just really, really, really good. Um, I, I still pray for the day that that cop lady dies. But other than that, I love this season. Why? <laughs> I don't know. To me, the more the season went, the less she had to do. And I was just like, why is she here? It's what eventually happened to Laurel in like season two, where you just started seeing less and less of her. And you're kind of just like, why? I don't need to see her at all at this point. Just, she can go. It's a love interest. That's all she is. That's fair. Okay. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but I want to ask you. Um, your thoughts on Ruby Rose uh, departing and her reason uh, for departing? I was shocked uh, and upset because I did like her as Batwoman a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. I was very upset that she left and for her reasons. I mean, it is what it is. I can't control your life and I can't tell you what to do. And if it's, it was too much for her, I understand. Uh, again, I'm very much a person like, if you don't want to be there, then don't fucking be there. <laughs> I've told you that for her time. Oh, she didn't want to be Batwoman anymore. She felt like it was too much for her. 
get the step and I get it. I respect your decision. We'll find someone that wants it. So that's really, that's how I feel about it. So yes, I'm disappointed because I hate seeing a face change, uh, especially when I, I like consistency. So I'm very much a person that if you got, if it has to happen, it has to happen. Fine. Just make it quick and, and make it painless. And hopefully whatever, what, whoever gets casted and whatever decisions they want to, they make a next season of Batwoman uh, that that she she fits in seamlessly. Like you're like, okay, I can see it. And like it may they'll take a couple episodes. They really get used to it. But by like maybe episode five, they're like, oh look, I'm not. I don't even miss her anymore. You know, that's what you hope. You know, that's what you hope. Yeah, I mean, look, it was horrible for Ruby when she got casted. I mean, I've I don't remember the last time I saw that much hate for a, a casting. Um, maybe Ben. But I don't even think it was that vicious. It was just like I mean, it was Ben was bad, but it wasn't just best. Like it. Well, thing what happened with Ruby was that a lot of people don't like her acting, mm-hmm. and then there were people that were haters because she wasn't a hundred percent gay, <laughs> and then there were people. It's just the fact that Batwoman was happening; they hated. So like Batwoman was very controversial on her own, and the fact that you had a Ruby Rose just elevated it. You know, so it's like one of those things where, you know, look, it seems like, especially this day and age, uh, there's a lot of insecure men <laughs> that have oh a lot God. to say. A lot. <laughs> and so that's where she probably gets a brunt of her bullshit, you know? Yeah, and what's funny was I never really questioned her acting only because the last time I questioned a casting choice from DC, I was proven completely wrong, and that was Gal Gadot. Um, I remember saying it scared me that she had very limited speaking roles in BVS when the next time we were going to see her was in her solo movie. And I'm like, she didn't really talk much. What, what are you selling me on here, Zach? And I, we saw Wonder Woman and no one's had a complaint about her acting since. Um, because it's probably my fits, favorite. Right. It fits for what they're doing with Wonder Woman. Her acting ability and her skills fits that character. Ruby Rose, I thought, fit Batwoman. I think people, Joel, sometimes forget you don't always need Denzel to be Black Panther for Black Panther to be a good movie. Um, you know, so it's like you no, can get no, somebody no. you can get somebody that you can build up. I'll tell you this. I thought Arrow was a great written show for season one and two, but it was some of the worst acting all the way around that I've ever seen in my life. I remember saying like the mother was to me the best actor in season one and two. Like she was the only thing I could really stomach. And then Stephen Amell just grew on me because it just didn't bother me anymore. And then slowly Thea didn't bother me. Laurel didn't bother me. So it was fine. Um, but yeah, that's my point. That's my point. That's my point. So it's not like I'm, they not, have- I'm not as picky when it comes to acting, as you know, because I understand what I'm watching, like where I'm watching it. It's not a movie. I'm not looking for movie quality. It's TV, and then it's not just TV. It's CW. They have a certain way of acting. It's like melodrama. So. You know, you know the the biggest thing that well, the biggest thing that used to bother me with the idea of uh, their casting for the CW is that the CW ultimately plays out superheroes as a soap opera. Yeah. Um, and what Basically. bothers me is I think a lot of soap opera actors are horrible, but who it's appealing to. They don't really care. So you look at this and you kind of go, no one really cared. So then I was just kind of like, I probably shouldn't care this much. So then it just didn't matter anymore. Um, but it ultimately. Yeah, if you could watch soap opera and not complain, you could watch Chitovi and not complain. Because it's basically superhero soap operas. 
for sure. And that's what bothered me originally, Joel, is that it was making it into a soap opera. And I'm like, that's really not how the comics ran. Like, it wasn't this dramatic. <laughs> like, it's like, not, but that's not at all. You know, that's CW. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. Like, you watch Daredevil and you kind of go, that's how you do it. Or, no, let me not even jump to Marvel. You watch Doom Patrol and Titans and you kind of go, that's how you do it. There's no right. soap opera feel to it. It's very much gritty and how you would imagine it in the comics. Um, but no, I'm completely with you. It sucks that Ruby Rose is out. I said it on this vibes live. I, I, I'm with you if you don't want to be here. Cool, go. But to me, I find her excuse to be as BS as Ben's. Um, I really think it just comes down to creative differences. Um, because <laughs> the whole Ben situation, the reason why I always thought that was BS was it was like, all right, can't wait to direct and star in this movie. Then it was like, I can't direct and act, guys. And then it was, I can't even be in it. <laughs> and it was like, what What happened in like those few months spans where you kind of just like, no, no, I can't do this. Yeah. Well, he was, he was dealing with a lot too, though. Was he like, was, he was, to be fair. Alcohol and the divorce and people bitching about the movies behind it. So a lot of drama that he was dealing with uh, that he could not, it wasn't good for his health to be, you know, Batman anymore. It just wasn't. And I, I respect that. And he left and I understand and I'm more than happy with, you know, writing, writing it out with Robert Pattinson in the future. Yeah, I just, for sure. You know. Um, I, look, I, I think if you're CW, I think it's smarter to get a casting done before the end of next month. Um, because if the world is able to slowly start opening back up and you can start filming and you're looking to release in January, it's better for that actress to have between now and January for all that hate to just flood out and then disperse. <laughs> like, that's what hate does. It, it floods and then it just disappears. Um, so it's better to get it out now, let people shit all over it, let me and you come on here and tell people why they shouldn't shit all over it, and then we can just get to enjoying Batwoman season two for whatever it is. Um, I did want to ask you this about the CW before we move on from, from uh, CW. Is it going to be weird to you to see season finales as season premieres uh, for most of these shows next season? Uh, I don't know, because uh, the season finales that were kind of like cliffhangers, I appreciated. I uh, yeah. like Supergirl was like a cliffhanger, Flash was a cliffhanger, and I'm like, you know what? It was nice to not have it just end. You know, <laughs> like you kind of have to nice. You know what's gonna happen next season? I kind of appreciated that. I'm like, I didn't. It didn't have a happy ending. You know, just oh shit, <laughs> like it's not really over the way it ended. It's kind of like oh, it's up in the air. I'm like oh, now I have to wonder, and then there's more to show. And I'm like okay, so maybe that maybe that starts something new because I did appreciate the cliffhangers from those shows because it was like it wasn't just a, tied up in a, in a little bow for you. You know, like the, now there's more. Like oh, now I'm more, more anticipating the next, you know the season to start again. Yeah. So my only fear about it is, and this show put, like, such a scar on me, was Titans didn't do that well. It did not do that well. It did not premiere the finale well at all. No. Uh, mainly, I don't know what the fuck happened, because they, they ended abruptly, and then it started abruptly. And I didn't, like, mind the first episode. It just happened so quickly. <laughs> and then ended so quickly. Like it tied everything up in one episode. Which is usually the problem when you tie everything up at once. 
is an issue. Look at Game of Thrones. You can't tie up that the whole series in like half a season. Right. As much as I love that show, it's still my favorite show. But it, that's what happens when you, you rush things. You know, it just doesn't end well. And I love the way Trigon looked in that episode. Like, oh, yes. It wasn't yes. the issue. That wasn't the issue. It was just so much how they tied everything up in one episode as opposed to two or three episodes, you know? Right. Like, it, it just bothered me that as soon as they were done with Trigon, it was like, all right, done with that villain. Here's Slade. And it was like, no, I don't think that's how it should work. Like, it should have been most of the episode was spent defeating Trigon. And then, like, the end, like, the very last scene of that episode was Slade looking up at the TV and seeing Titans are still a thing. And then yeah. the next episode, you dive into uh, what happened, how Slade, like, whatever that second episode was could still be the same. But for you to kind of compact that all into one episode, when you damn sure could have just given us the Trigon episode season before, um, was just kind of mm-hmm. like, mm. But to me, the only reason why it doesn't necessarily bother me is the CW isn't doing this on purpose. It legit had to stop right. shooting. So exactly. they have to work yes. with what they have. It's just always weird to see something <clears throat> uh, like something you've built up in the last season uh, finish mm-hmm. within an episode or two. And then you're starting up a whole new villain, whole new story within that same season. Same um, season, yeah. Yeah. So that's what's a little weird. I mean, I didn't really like it when they did it with Flash last season uh, to lead up to Crisis. Like, they led up with uh, whatever that uh, villain's name was. Yeah, um, Blood. Yes. Yeah. And then they defeated him, and now it's like, oh, Mirror Master. And it's like, I didn't really think that was that seamless of a transition. It was a little mm-hmm. weird. Um, Long but- season. Please let it go. That's usually how it is now with these shows. There's two villains. You got the mid-season villain and the end villain and shit like that. Yeah. <clears throat> um, it was just weird to see how it how it played out. But it it, it like you said, it had a great cliffhanger. Um, albeit, I don't know if you read it or not, but Jonas had posted the um synopsis for next season, and it kind of really mm-hmm. spoiled a lot. It was kind of like, yeah, so the right. synopsis would be spoiling a lot. Of- <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, all right then. Yeah. Like, could you picture if when Endgame came out, the synopsis was the Avengers uh, are broken up, they come together, they defeat Thanos, and Iron Man dies? It's like, wait, what? (laughs) Why am I watching this thing? (laughs) Um, Am I? Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, no, we're definitely looking forward to what the CW has. I'm going to catch up on Black Lightning. Um, I'm going to give Supergirl another chance. I watched the the crossover again, and she's really growing on me. But she was never my problem. My problem always was um, her surrounding cast and the fact that you have Martian Manhunter on your show, and he's never Martian Manhunter. (laughs) It's actually more frustrating. (laughs) Because they give him a better costume. It's a nice costume. But he now never is a Martian. It's like, why? Why are you so lazy? Or why are you just like this? Why have him on screen if he's not going to be the Martian man? It's so frustrating. Uh, like, this season wasn't as good as last season, but it did have some interesting aspects. Like, Lex Luthor's still good. Uh, the Alex, my biggest issue is his, her sister. She's definitely become like Diggle <laughs> of the show. Oh, no. That's exactly what she's become. They're, just, they're basically making her. They're just going to make her a superhero just because she's always around. Like, right. I, why? I mean, she would be, but it's just, 
but that's what they're doing. That's basically what she seems that they made up a character. She's always there. Like I, it seems like they feel bad. So like, oh, we got to give her something to do. Uh, but yeah, this this season also had Brainiac Five look like Brainiac Five. You know that was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dreamer uh, is a, become a bigger character. Uh, she's all right. I can do you know live without her, but whatever. You know they use it. Miss um, Martian came back for the last couple episodes. And, oh really? Yeah, she did. But again, looking human. <clears throat> but anyway, <laughs> uh, I mean, you see certain times, like certain times they they look Martian, but it's it's not often. It's like maybe ten percent of their screen time is Martian uh, throughout the series. That's crazy. What confuses me, Joel, me and you have spoke about this literally since they started doing the Martian Manhunter on that show. They could legit just do prosthetics. Like, why are you spending so much money on CGI? Yeah, unless prosthetics cost a lot. I don't understand why they don't they don't try that. Like, I mean, Angel and Buffy did it all the time. Every episode all they the had time. in makeup. Like, <laughs> why can't you figure that out? Like, how the, how hard is it? Like, is yeah. it really that I mean, like, picture this. Picture the Flash if instead of showing him run, it was just like they just showed where he ended up. That's the equivalent of you not giving me Martian Manhunter, but telling me he's Martian Manhunter. Why? Why is he even here? Um, So, yeah, so I do want to give Supergirl another go. Um, I told you, uh, was it last season when Lex showed up? I was like, this is my new favorite show. And I didn't realize he wasn't going to be, like, a permanent, uh, you know. He was this season. Oh, he was? He was in the season a lot? Yeah, all of, most of it. Oh, all right. Well, then, I'm going to have to check the season out yeah, then. Because what happens is <laughs> like, Supergirl starts and Lex Luthor's, like, the hero of the city. Oh, that's right. That's right. We did see that in the crossover. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, okay. I got you. So it's them trying to deal with they're like he's not that good, and they're like, yeah, he is. <laughs> like, no, he's actually great. Um, no, but I, I I love that. Um, so I'm definitely gonna check out this season, uh, for sure. But I do want to catch up on Supergirl and Black Lightning. Legends of Tomorrow's to me is more of a comedy. There's not much that I feel like I'm. It is a comedy. They did show the Enchantress in one episode. What a quarter of the episode? Yeah, she was in an episode. Um. <laughs> Was it someone that that we knew? It wasn't Cara Delevingne. It wasn't a no. It wasn't a big character. Oh. I mean, it wasn't a, a, a named actress, but she was in a flashback of uh, one of the episodes. Yeah. See, but this is why I I always hated that they didn't just do um, like the CW itself didn't just do a dark universe. Um, we get why they won't do it now because uh, what's They're doing it at DC Universe? I mean, uh, HBO Max. Right, but to me. Uh, Swamp Thing, uh, Zatanna, and um, Constantine, and either Dead Man or Etrigan. Um, Etrigan. Etrigan, sorry. Uh, would have been perfect because to me, season one villain could have been Encha- uh, Enchantress and it would have worked. <laughs> Myst- Where's Mystic? It would have been perfect rather than, you know, someone shooting bullets at a witch. Like, would have been <laughs> feeling to see. Um, so, I mean, hopefully, J.J. Abrams maybe takes Enchantress and does something with her over there. Because um, contrary, <clears throat> contrary to Suicide Squad, it's a pretty interesting character. <laughs> when she's going against people, that makes sense. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, that's really cool to know. I, I was watching the – I said I was watching a crossover before. Seeing Lucifer pop up is still one of, like, the the dopest things ever, man. Like, the dopest yeah. Um. Oh, wait, speaking of Lucifer, did you hear the news that because of uh, contract uh, negotiations going bad, he didn't sign to do this next season? 
Yeah, I mean, we don't know what's going on with that, but yeah, it, it looked like they were going to add another season to the the last season, uh, and then it, something where like he's not he wanted more money and they're not giving him more money, so he's like, well, I don't want to come back then. So it looks like the finale may end up staying the finale. Uh, the last yeah. season might end up the last season, but I don't know. We'll see. Which is crazy because to <clears> me. <throat> Like, a lot of people would go, oh, he's just being so superficial. Like, it's not that, it's not that serious. Um, but I would say, if you're going from Fox, which you know isn't really paying that much, to Netflix that gave, like, $200 million to um, uh, Martin Scorsese, I would tell them, I want more money. Yeah, you got yeah. the money. Pay me. Um, <laughs> so I kind of get me. I kind of get it, but it sucks because I, Joel, I don't know why I thought this, but I thought the season was already done. I thought we were just waiting on a release date. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I know this season was done. This is the last season. And they were talking about bringing, bringing it back for another season because this was supposed to be the, fin- the final season, right. the one that was coming. <clears throat> but I, I don't know. Well, I guess they're still debating about all that, how the final episode ends. You know, that's really, it's a bit important. Because <laughs> if we're gonna have another season, yeah, we're I guess still it'll tie it up. You know? We're still in limbo, unfortunately. But I-, I love that show. I was really glad that you you uh, you stuck on me to to actually give it a chance. Because um, I fell in love with it. I was like, I really freaking love this show. Um, and you obviously saw the budget increase. The more he was able to actually turn into a demon, mm-hmm. <laughs> rather than just like an ear here. Or eyes there. The eyes. Usually it's his eyes. Yeah. Sometimes his face for like a couple seconds. When you saw that last episode where it was full body, I was like, Whoa. Oh, yeah. Um, and they even casted his dad as the Allstate guy. So I'm like, a lot about this new season, like, seemed like it was going to be really cool. But, yeah. again, we have we'll to see. wait and see. We'll wait and see. But, wait and uh, see. All right, before we get into sports, I want to ask you, we uh, got the trailer for Tenet. Uh, Tenet. Trailer. It removed its release date, so it's no longer in July. It's in limbo. Um, but Love it. We did, get, we did get a new trailer. I don't know how to feel about it. It felt like it was almost the same trailer as the first one, just a few <laughs> different scenes. It gave um, you a couple more scenes, yeah. Yeah, I'm never a fan of that. The second trailer shouldn't ever look like the first trailer, just more scenes. It should be a completely different cut of the trailer. Um, but I kind of feel like it was um, it was Christopher Nolan's way of saying, hey, I wanted to put it out to further promote it, but it's not the best because I don't even know when it's coming out now. Like, I, I do believe we will have a third trailer before it actually releases. Um, but how would you feel about the brand new trailer for Tenet? Um... I liked it. Um, I I liked it. It was just there was more dialogue. It gave you a better sense of the story, but it's still very confusing. Like I still don't understand how the time works. So everything goes backwards. Is it? I don't get that. We're gonna have to watch the movie to, to truly understand that part of the movie. Uh, but it seems interesting. I and like fuck, it's scary how much he he sounds like his fucking dad when he talks. Yeah. Uh, like. I see it. <laughs> I see it. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the trailer. I, I do look forward to seeing it in theaters. Uh, it's always a, it's a Chris Nolan's an event movie anyway. You know, gotta go. Yeah. It, it it definitely feels like a um, like you said. It's not the idea of uh, time travel. It's just like 
the backpedaling of reversing time. Um, Someone said, if you think about Christopher Nolan's uh, three biggest, well, three biggest movies in like the past five, 10 years, you go um, Inception was Mind, uh, Interstellar was Space, and now this is time. Like Christopher Nolan's assembling the the Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't think about it like that, but he is doing he is doing that. Um, but um, no, I mean, it, it looks good. I was really excited to see the scene uh, or a little snippet of the scene that we actually got to see in IMAX, where yeah. they were in the the opera. Um, man, was that heavy hitting. I don't know if I could take seeing that in uh, Dolby. Because when we uh, when we saw just the trailer, it was so heavy hitting and just like like powerful. Um, yeah. It was making me a little nervous. <laughs> like I don't think I could do an hour and a half of this. Like it's so intense. Um, but yeah, no, we're really looking forward to seeing this. Um, it'll give everyone a better idea of uh, Robert Pattinson in action before seeing him in the Batman, uh, which is always Batman. Which is always great. Yeah. I, I am curious. I'm sure someone that interviewed him asked him, but I am curious how much um, advice Christopher Nolan gave him um, before taking the role. Because, like, Christian Bale is the only unscrutinized Batman from a casting standpoint. When he was casted, no one really went berserk, went crazy. Um, So he had the least amount of pressure. Clooney had the highest because his movie was ultimately the worst. Um, Yeah. My no. go ahead. Yeah, Michael King got a lot of hate uh, before. Uh, then you had Val Kilmer. I don't remember how he was taken when he replaced Michael Keaton. Can't imagine people were happy right. that he replaced Michael Keaton. You know, <laughs> um, but he didn't last long though. No, no, he lasted to see uh, one movie, and the same thing happened with uh, George Clooney. I know people when he first got casted were like, "Oh, that's not bad, George Clooney." But the movie was bad, <laughs> and then he takes he gets a lot of the blame, but it's not really his fault. It's it's, it's no. very much a Joel Schumacher movie, and that's just what it is, you know. The reason why George Clooney was like a brilliant casting is because George Clooney himself is already Bruce Wayne, <laughs> like he he is Bruce Wayne. It was just his Batman that was hard to really kind of kind of grasp, but he's Bruce Wayne every day. That's who George Clooney is. Um, but yeah, so you look back and you kind of go Ben, Michael Keaton, and now Robert Pattinson, the most scrutinized castings for the Batman. So Christian Bale kind of just came in and was like, I get to do whatever I want. But I think the reason why, Joel, it wasn't as, as scrutinized or even scrutinized at all for Christian Bale was a lot of people, um, because remember, internet wasn't as, as huge as it is now. Um, no, it wasn't. A lot of people didn't know what Batman Begins was till he suited up. It was like, what, what, right. what am I watching? <laughs> so he no. kind of under the radar with it. Um, and then it's really easy to take the pressure off of you when your second movie is revered as one of the greatest movies of all time. So, right. <laughs> you know, kind I, of I, I was there for, for the, that time period when they were – Making a new Batman. I remember watching trailers for Batman, like fan fan trailers and shit like that. Uh, like before the movies came out, before they even announced that there were new Batman movie was coming out, and how how crazy the internet was because it was just all you had were message boards, <laughs> and like you can like 
it wasn't Twitter. <laughs> it was. It's just like you go to a specific message board and talk about it, and and like they had polls. And I remember Christian Bale being very high on those polls uh, back in the day. And I'm like, that my friend is nailed it. Like I don't know who he is. I never watched him. like at the time. I don't remember him in anything specifically. And I remember when he got first casted. I went to and I watched um uh, uh Equilibrium. I think it was called. That movie is really good actually. <laughs> and that was the first time I saw Christian Bale in his element. Uh, and then that's the more I got to see, like, Psycho. I make American Psycho and all that. And uh, I got to see more movies with him in it. Um, I was I was more than more than comfortable with him being Batman going forward. And then you see the first trailer for Batman Begins. And you're like, it's an origin story. <laughs> like, all right, let's do this. And uh, Good times. Good times. It's always fun when they're casting Batman. Uh, like, it's been fun the last couple of years trying to figure out who's going to replace Ben Affleck. It really was fun until eventually we, we narrowed it down and now it's Robert Pattinson. People bitched, but there are people that were all for it because they know he's a good actor. You know, that's just what it comes down to. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to get me to hate on a casting for Batman because I get to see Batman. Um, so, like, I'd either have to really hate you as an actor or the movie would have to be horrible. Uh, for me to ever complain. It's no. Batman. I just enjoy seeing Batman. Um, and I thought about this, Joel. Next year, Titans, Batwoman, and uh, Justice League Snyder Cut, and the Batman. And We're getting right. Swain all over the place. <laughs> the year of Bat. Next year. The year of Bat. And what's even crazier is I find it completely hard to believe that there's not some kind of Batman animated movie coming out yeah, uh, he'll be in something animated. In something. So we'll get a crap load of Batman next year. Yeah. So what we thought was going to be just one Batman, we have now multiplied into four to maybe five appearances of Bruce Wayne. Yeah, and different variations of him. <laughs> it's crazy. So me and you will never complain about that. We cannot wait to enter the year of that, uh, especially once we start to get trailers for him. Like the Batwoman trailer, the uh, Titans trailer, the Batman trailer, and then whatever the Snyder Cut trailer is. Um, yeah. So we're, we're going to, like, it's going to be the best time for us. Um, but all right, let's move on. I want to talk to you about this new NFL rule that I was arguing with my grandfather about a lot last night. Oh, boy. And that is the NFL is proposing uh, a rule that they're voting on, I believe, this week, which is instead, not instead, um, you have the option. You could either take the onside kick or you could take it from your fourth and I think 20. Uh, like fourth and 20, you get the first down, you keep going. You know, you keep going uh, till you score, uh, obviously. Um, but obviously if they stop you, they now have it right in front of their, <laughs> their end zone um, or right in front of your end zone, rather. So um, – right. What's appealing to me about that is football always kind of feels like, well, whoever does it first, that's the winner. Overtime, whoever gets it, they win. Um, and I think they're trying to just find more ways to make football. They're trying to extend it. Um, yeah, less so stoppage. Right, exactly, exactly. So I personally thought this was, this was interesting mainly because you don't have to take it. Uh, you don't have to take the fourth and twenty. You can just onside kick it. Um, the no. odds are the same. You making a first down on fourth and 20 is just as impossible as getting an onside kick, which we know is almost 
rarely ever yeah. is someone recovering onside kick. Yeah. Percentages um, are similar. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So how do you feel if this gets voted yes and uh, they try it out this, this upcoming season? Uh, why not try something different? I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, I don't really care either way, honestly. Um, I guess I'll care more once it doesn't work to my favor. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I won't know till we try, right? So that's really how I look at it. Yeah, I mean, um, to me, it's like I don't remember the last time my team came within an onside kick of a win. And, you know, now they get a chance to get it on, you know, fourth and 20 or whatever. So to me, it it wasn't like a, oh, yay, they're, they're implementing this. It was more like interesting. I, you know, like picture if an NFC championship game comes down to uh, <coughs> down by only three. Uh, and it's like right. 15 left. And if obviously other team re- receives the onside kick, game's all right. over. You're now looking at it like Drew Brees with a chance to, to win the game taking a fourth and 20. It's really interesting to watch. Um, right. So that's how I look at it. But I'm like you. It's not like a, whoa, this will change the landscape kind of thing. It's right. more like, all right, the odds are the same. So whether you kick it or throw it, it seems ultimately impossible. Um, so good luck. Um, but I am hearing that football is looking to start its regular time. Do you think that's a, a little crazy? No, I don't, because <clears throat> basketball is, seems very, very close to actually happening, <laughs> like, uh, soon, uh, like, hopefully. Um, and so, once football normally start, well, like, say, uh, training camp starts around August, right? Or not only that's oh, preseason. No, July. August, so July. July is, is, uh, is training uh-huh. camp. Preseason is August, and then September for the start of the season. Yeah, I think, I think if they can't get – they're training in in July, then yeah, it might get delayed. But if they can get into to actual training, like like in a, they're like a bubble, I can't see why not. I think they can probably yeah probably get get to work on time. Hopefully. So are you okay watching football with no fans? Because they're talking about uh, either football or basketball or both. We're talking about imitating crowd noise. Um, I, I don't really know how fair that is for football because crowd noise means everything. Um, crowd noise yeah. is the difference between hearing a play and <laughs> hearing a play. Basketball doesn't yeah. really matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when it comes to plays uh, in football. But uh, if I have to choose between uh, empty arenas or no sport at all, I, I'd go with sport. I'm just going to choose a sport. Yeah. I've had enough of no sports. <laughs> like, no. I want basketball. I want football. So I don't give a fuck if no one understands. As long as I get to watch from home, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. I just I, – I, I don't know if- – I don't know if imitating sound works for football because if you're in a dome, that's now amplified because you're playing it through speakers. Oh, they, they do it anyway. They know they do, fuckers in football. Fake-ass fans. So there's, no one, there's no cheering. Everyone's booing. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. We, we, we did uh, – I think Seattle got caught for that uh, one year where the whole 12th man was like a huge thing for them. It was like, your fans aren't that loud. <laughs> that's bullshit. Bullshit. Um, but yeah, speaking of basketball, I heard that they're looking to uh, completely rent out uh, Disney, uh, like yeah. a part of the Disney Resort, the and sport part, start, yeah. playing, pl- start playing some games there. Um, it's so weird, only because it's like I'm torn. Part of me is like I damn sure want to see them finish this current season, right? 
the other part of me is like, if they do, it means next season starts later. And it also means nine times out of 10, these guys won't want to play in the Olympics um, because it's, it's too close. It's all too close. By the time it ends is where you should be uh, preparing for the Olympics. But now you're kind of like in the middle of the Olympics is probably when I'm going to have to start working out and doing everything I need to for my actual team. I think the Olympics was this year, wasn't it? So like they would have, it's already delayed. So it's like, it's one of those things where like, yeah, you delay it till next year. You're right. They might fuck with team USA and the main players. Like someone will want to play. Well, the main players they want to play. I don't know. Uh, Cause I don't know. I don't see the Olympics moving again. <laughs> Cause they moved <laughs> right. Just <laughs> <laughs> to accommodate the USA, like ah, maybe next year. <laughs> like no, yeah, so you're absolutely right. No, we might have to live with uh, whatever team we get next year, uh, and then you know create a redeemed team the following Olympics. But we'll see. Yeah, and you have to think of it like this: everywhere else on planet Earth wants us to start losing, so they're like, no, 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 you keep it, <laughs> you keep yeah. that date. The way it was. <laughs> exactly. I like a lot of teams are like, I don't mind playing like Donovan Mitchell. I don't want to play Curry and Harden. So if you can keep it here and we get Donovan and Jason Tatum, we can live with that. We can live with that. Um, but no, I, I'm I'm with you. I, I want to see this season um play out mainly because I want to see more Knicks. I don't want them to go right to the playoffs because we wouldn't be in it. Um, so I very much I want to see anymore. Right. I want to see the final games before the end of the season right i say i say just cut it down to 12 games play the uh play 12 games get everyone back in in the feel of things and the thrill of it um and then go right into the playoffs because it was i think it was only maybe 15 to 20 games left of the season before it ended right. i would assume so I, if you want to reduce it down to 12 just so you know you're not putting so much wear and tear on them before the playoffs um but yeah. a lot of players are saying they want the full 20 uh, because it takes about that long for them to get back into the the feel of it. Um, and I don't want to risk any injuries. Because, like, one player gets injured on the Clippers team, it drastically could sway that team. Uh, same thing with the Lakers. So, it's like you really don't want to see any of the major players get injured or one of their major cog guys. Um, so, you kind of look at it and you're kind of like, I'd rather you guys play as many games as you need Take us into the playoffs so we can keep everyone healthy and have a really exciting playoff series. I wanted to ask you this. I asked uh, my uncle and Dom on uh, our greats debate show. Um, Do you think there's any possibility that with all this time, uh, all this time off, that if um, by the time the season finishes, they're able to finish it, do you see any possibility that Kyrie and KD come back to the Nets for that playoff run? Uh, they keep saying no. Like uh, everything, I, every, everything I see is that the the Nets are not going to have him. Whether they're not playing until next season, that that's I don't know about Kyrie, but definitely Kevin Durant won't be playing until next season. So I'll take them at their word for now. I mean, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's just a smart thing to do, mainly because. Playing those guys is important to your revenue as far as ticket sales, but since mm-hmm. it won't even probably be played in your arena, doesn't matter. So just let them both sit out. You get your first round exit, and then you come back strong next year. We hope it's not worse next year, but um, <laughs> you know, you play you play up to what you can do next year. 
Um, but all right, let's stop talking about the Nets. I'm getting a stomachache. All right. Um, I want to talk about, we were debating, not debating. We were talking about this before. Um, all-time Knicks team, right? And oh, now, yeah. what I was explaining to you was, when I think of all-time teams uh, for the Knicks, to me, you could go off of stats, the teams that won championships, the teams that went really far in the playoffs. To me, I like my eye tests, right? And the reason why is someone could tell you all the numbers Ewing put up, but then you would have to have watched those games to see why they lost, to understand why they lost. You can't just go by the numbers. So to me, as far as all-time Knicks teams, it really starts from 2000 all the way to where we are now um, that I could really go, all right, I, I could somewhat know exactly what I'm talking about. But more so specifically, 2005 to right now, that is my, that is my Knicks era uh, that I could definitively have a conversation, no mishaps, no mistakes, I'm good to go. Um, but you were saying it was tough for you uh, to kind of narrow in on an all-time team. So I thought, would it be easier if we took, if we created a all-time Knicks starting five? Would that be easier? That, I mean, it would be easier because it's only five players. So <laughs> of the 12, what is it, like uh, 12 players, 15 players, whatever you want to make it, right. whatever the, the, the rosters are now. I think, for, I, think it's, I think they expanded it. It used to be 15. I don't know. We'll see. Because now they have two-way players. I, I forget how many players are on the roster now. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, if you want to do a starting five. I mean, I know they chose their starting five. Like, ESPN did theirs. Mm -hmm. uh, and then and 2K has theirs. And it's not that different. It's like one player different. Um, so, if you want to do it, we can. Um, fine with that. Yeah. All right. So, who are we going for point guard? I feel like that's just unanimous. Like, that's not even <laughs> – Pretty obvious, yeah. Yeah. It, it's Walt Clyde Frazier. <laughs> Walt Clyde Frazier. <laughs> it is, it's not – honestly, not even really debatable. Um, so we got Clyde at number one uh, for our point guard. Um, mm -hmm. What are you looking at now? Number two seems like it should. That's harder. I was just about to say that it seems like it should be Earl the Pearl Monroe, right? But then I go, right. John Starks exists. <laughs> like I don't feel like it's that easy. So where do you John. land on it? Well, I mean, you can go John Stark. You can go Allen Houston. Uh, you can go obviously Earl the Pearl, which is that's the most popular uh, of all the, the choices you can go with. And I believe Earl the Pearl was where ESPN went on their two on their starting two guard. Hold on, I'm pulling it up now. Yes. <clears throat> um, and two K chose Richie Guerin. Richie Guerin played during the '60s, and I didn't. That's very far away from my my, my time period, so I can't really speak to that. But he, if you look up at his numbers, he put up some really good numbers. So I can't argue with Richie Guerin. Um, uh, you could, I mean, uh, in my era, I mean, of me watching, of course, after John Starks and Allen Houston, of course, you could always make a, t a case for like uh, Jamal Crawford or even, you know, J.R. Smith. But it's one of those things where like, I don't know. Like, it's really tough. Like, we never made the playoffs with Jamal. J.R. at least made six men, so did John Starks. And they got pretty far in the playoffs. They got farther than they have in the past decade before then. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, so you could make a case for JR somewhat. But, I mean, at the end of the day, 
Earl the Pearl won championships with him. Dick Barnett's another choice. You can have a shooting guard who was the star. He was a starter during the 70s before Earl got there. And even Earl came off the bench a couple of times for Dick. So I, I don't know. I mean, you have a lot of options there. Problem is, I never seen them really play well, aside from highlights. Right. I never seen right. Dick. I've seen Earl Monroe highlights, but Earl was really at his best when he was with the Bullets. Uh, but then he had, you know, but he obviously played well next to Clyde. So it's like one of those things where it's like, it's hard to, I don't know. It's a very difficult choice. I love Allen Houston. Um, it's just, he was also a big part of our team for a long time and a big part of like that run during the, the 99. Uh, I think I'm probably going to stick with Pearl though. Cause like, the biggest name everyone like loves black jesus <laughs> so it's yeah like, it's hard hard to go against earl the pearl you know all right so you're going earl the pearl i'm going john starks john starks was legit every 90s kid that was from new york new jersey had that poster on their uh on their wall of him dunking on the bulls um john starks just seemed like the guy um jr smith had so much potential to be of that caliber He's just so inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Albeit Starks was very inconsistent at times. J.R. Smith just so took that and ran. <laughs> <laughs> J.R. took very that similar. and ran. Um, so, I mean, but J.R. to me, when we got him from China, you have no idea how excited I was. Because remember, I followed Mello from Syracuse. So I watched a lot of Denver games. So I'm very familiar with J.R. Um, and I'm like – mellow and jr and then we have eventually just started getting denver nuggets we got Kenyon martin uh, i was like all marcus right Candy. marcus Candy. Came back. <laughs> yeah. no, um, came back. so i'm looking at i'm looking at it and i'm Let's like see, I, so, so. We, we had a lot of them only one we were really missing uh was iverson if we had had yeah. iverson it would be like all right um i want to put jr up there so bad joel that six man that six man year was one of the best Nick years for a shooting guard. Um, it, he was just on fire. I'll never forget those game winners in Phoenix, game winner in Charlotte. And then when he almost single-handedly beat the OKC uh, uh, that year, because um, Melo was out and obviously Amar was always out. Uh, but Melo was out and JR put them on his back, had 34, and they lost, I think, by, by four. Because um, it's just – it's Durant and Westbrook and Harden. It, just, it was too much. Um, but I'm going John Starks. I, I, I freaking loved his game. Um, and that dunk is just – it's huge. That was a huge dunk uh, that he had on the Bulls. Um, all right. Small forward. I don't need to say anything. You know where I'm going for small forward. So no words need to be said by me. So I'll let you take the floor. Yeah, I mean, I'll probably go with Carmelo. I mean, I don't see why not. The only, other, only competition he has is Bernard King, in my opinion. I mean, Bill Bradley was really good, but – and he was a part of the championship teams, but he wasn't a, the key cog in the championship teams, like Clyde or uh, – um, what's his name? The captain. Right. So, one of those things, like, for me, it's either – it's always going to come down to Bernard King and his run during the 80s or Carmelo Anthony. And I'm just going to have to go with Carmelo at the end of the day. Um, I mean, they were both scoring machines. It just came down to – I think Carmelo ended up landing, uh, staying longer and didn't get hurt. <laughs> Bernard got hurt, and we traded him. <laughs> so it is what it is. Um, but, yeah, Carmelo Anthony uh, ends up getting the nod at the small forward spot for me. Yeah, yeah and it, it's crazy because me and you look at Carmelo and we go, what he did for the franchise was huge. 
mainly because at the end of the day, them losing for as long as they did, we know wasn't a mellow, wasn't a mellow problem. Um, so we look at it and we kind of go, if things just, the dice just rolled differently, we could have had a few more runs uh, at a championship with, uh, with Mello at, at the helm. Um, and it's just very unfortunate to get a player of his caliber in his prime. Remember, he dropped 60-something uh, as a Nick, <laughs> not as a trailblazer, not as a hawk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not as Bernard, Bernard King did too. <laughs> he had a sixty burger. Yeah. Oh wow! Damn. He had the he had the, the scoring title before. Oh, before Carmelo took it. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. That that uh that Hornets game, Melo was like uh, possessed. I'd never seen him that crazy. Um, but yeah, so Melo makes it on there for us. All right, let's see who they got at the four. Willis Reed. It's hard to argue that. I mean, it's really hard. I mean, yeah, Willis. When you think of, well, he's technically a center, but he can play power forward because he can shoot. Yeah, you know. But when you think of power forwards for the Knicks, majority of the Knicks' power forwards were enforcers, like not like legit, you know, like star. <clears throat> like no, you come down the lane, I'm I'm gonna elbow you in your throat. And in, in, in the nineties, yeah, because and well, let me see if you look back. The most popular power forwards, uh, Dave DeBusher was one of an enforcer more or less. Uh, and I have a newfound respect for Dave DeBusher because I was playing 2K the other day. That boy, he's six seven, was blocking everything. <laughs> I was like, okay, good shit, Dave. Uh, yeah, but he was he was one of the and he was I think a four time All Defensive Team, uh, so first team. So <laughs> good shit for Dave DeBusher. Um, he was a starting power forward during the '70s championship teams. Um, so you got to – I mean, there's respect there, but I don't know if I'd start him over, let's say, um, you had Charles Oakley. Charles – that – talk about enforcer. Charles Oakley was an enforcer um, for well, – I forget how long he was there, 10 years, Charles Oakley was. Um, and then you had LJ. Larry Johnson was great, but he unfortunately was – it wasn't the Charlotte Hornets Larry Johnson. <laughs> it was uh, finesse. I can't get up as high, Larry Johnson. Still played really well, but – you know, it wasn't all-star, Larry Johnson. Um, and then, of course, I loved Kurt Thomas, but Kurt Thomas was really more of a rural player. Um, <clears throat> David Lee, I love fucking David Lee to death. Oh, I always loved David Lee. He was an all-star during our worst years. <laughs> uh, so I always have mad respect for David Lee. And then, of course, the person that took his spot, Amari Stoudemire, Mr. Nick, the Knicks are back himself. I always love Amari for coming here and being the first to do it. So... Um, after everyone just avoided us like the plague. Um, <clears throat> so Amari did that, and I like, think his signing really elevated us from there. And like, we ended up trading for Mello, and it just it was just great, you know, from there. Uh, you can even add Porzingis for his three-year run of being a dick and then running away afterwards. Um, <laughs> and just wanting to leave because, you know, God forbid New York is you know, New York. But all right, so Porzingis uh, – I can't. I wouldn't put him on the team. I think 2K has him on the team, uh, on the bench. So I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> not over. Yeah, I wouldn't problem, put him over Amari for that reason. Problem is, 2K I think went more notable. Like the more notable names uh, for the, yeah. Knicks. and it because it's like Przingis didn't earn. It, he didn't earn it. Um, yeah. Przingis never yeah, made a playoff, playoff game. Like, he right, never, he never a playoff game. Um, and at least David Lee earned his stripes by being with us for as long as he was. Um, right. So I'm like, if Przingis, the- right, if Przingis yeah. was with us for, let's say, five, six years and then left. That's right? different. 
that's different. I, I wouldn't even have hard feelings at that point. You were with us five, six years. We never could make the playoffs. You were putting out outstanding numbers. You tried your best. All-star. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Same way, I look at Amari's tenure there as a success for the main point of the Knicks were relevant again. Like, it worked. It worked. That's, that's 100% right. It worked. Yeah. It, they it, were the playoff. They were a playoff team. Right. And I don't, think the Knicks, I don't think the Knicks would have made that trade for Melo if there wasn't someone like Amari there. Um, On there, yeah. Right. Because who you A complimentary piece. Because yeah, remember, they got rid of all their best players to get Melo. So if there's no Amari, who's playing with yeah. Melo that year? Ronaldo exactly. Balkman? Yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't Balkman with Melo? Oh, so, don't sleep um, on Balkman. <laughs> <laughs> Balkman, a 30 a night, man, a 30 a night. Um, but no, so Amari, to me, deserves to be known as a Nick legend. But I'm going to say this, Joel. If Amari goes down as a Nick legend, you know who else I would put in there as a Nick legend? Doesn't play the power forward. He's a center. But I thought he was remarkable in his span as a Nick. I'm putting Tyson Chandler in there. Tyson Chandler? I, you, can make a, you can make an argument for Tyson Chandler. For sure. You can make a real big argument for him. Because he was only there for three years, but we were a playoff team. He was all defensive team. He was an all-star. It's kind of hard to argue. He had, I mean, he had a good three years. Wait, and we didn't leave. Player, we traded him. He was defensive player of the year for us. Yes, he was. Yeah, he, he was like one Marcus of those years. Yeah, he won it mm-hmm. over Marcus Hall. So to me, Tyson Chandler won it. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, he deserves to be on this list if KP's on this list. That's how I view it. Um, Probably even over him because of that, you know. I would agree. Uh, same amount of years, but Tyson Chandler had did more, you know, for the franchise. Um, so I would say, I'd, but you're right though. Willis Reed, you could put that power forward or center. Willis Reed was the captain. He was uh, he was he's the only Nick to become a, a, a league MVP. <laughs> he was a, he was All Star Game MVP. Uh, he was Finals MVP. Yeah, if you want to move him and move like you play two centers and. Uh, both both Patrick Ewing and Willis Reed can shoot, so it doesn't matter. Uh, he they can they can both play next to each. I, I could imagine Willis Reed and, and Patrick Ewing next to each other is kind of scary. Honestly. Very, very. So, you know, the, yeah. the only other thing that like feared me out of like all these uh, all time teams that they assembled was the idea of Curry, Clay, Durant, Draymond, and fucking Wilt Chamberlain. I'm like, why even just give them the title? Don't even play a game. Don't even play a game. I might even take Draymond out and put Mullen in. You know, it's still unbeatable. Yeah, it's pretty scary. (laughs) Him or or Rick Barry. Well, either one I probably would have replaced for for Draymond, but either or. Still, either or, yeah. Either or. The team's a monster. Um, But at number five, there's no debate. It's it's the king of New York himself. It's Patrick Ewing. Um, who, by the way, uh, much love and prayer to. I think he said he tested positive for uh, coronavirus. COVID, yeah. Um, so prayers and uh, best wishes to uh, Patrick Ewing. Um, but, yeah, th- there's no debate. Uh, there's no debate. Uh, I think if there was any debate, it would be who would come off the bench for him. Right. Uh, and then I think that's when you could have a really good conversation. Because, I, again, I would still go with Tyson Chandler to come off the bench. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of options you can go for. Yeah, Tyson Chandler's a good one, though. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think if we wait five, six years, Mitchell Robinson, I think I'd put over Tyson Chandler. I, I hope Mitchell and RJ are on this list one day. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> we don't keep rookies long enough, Joel, for them to make these teams, man. Uh, <clears throat> we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, it changes up. Uh, but I did want to ask you before we move on. 
were you upset at all that, uh, especially in the 2K version, JR didn't make the all-time Knicks team? Uh, no, um, mainly because there was just so many guards that we have – we're guard-heavy. Like, especially if you go old back in the day, they left out some good players. Like, they put Richard Guerin in as a starter for the all-time team. Uh, and obviously, with his time there, he was a, he was a beast. They didn't put in Carl Braun. They didn't put in uh, who could, you could have made it. You could have made an argument for Carl Braun from the, in the fifties. Uh, I mean, there's just <clears throat> you had they had uh, what's his name um, Michael Ray Richardson, who was a fucking beast, but had off court problems, you know. So he didn't. <laughs> uh, he was he was really good. Uh, they had like I said, Dick Barnett and. Mr. Solid. That's, that's all you can say about Dick Barnett. He, he made it over J.R. Smith. Dick Barnett was a starter during the championship or the first championship run. So that's probably why he didn't make it in. You, like, you put in Michael Ray Richardson and Dick Barnett were both starters. Six. Uh, J.R. Smith started some games, but really was a six man. John Starks was a starter for most of his time there before, you know, Allen Houston took his spot. And he made six man that same year, you know, that he, that he went to the bench. So, like, that's, that's what it is. J.R. Smith – he had his run, but like yeah, it is one. Of, it's one of those things. Like it's just there was too many better players in front of him. Like it depends on how many players were on the roster. What the twelve players for the all time team for two yeah, K? I think, so. I think if you had fifteen, you could play. You can make an argument. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean he definitely should go down as uh, one of the best two guards the Knicks has uh, the Knicks has, has had to date. Yeah. Uh, not the best, maybe not even the second best, but definitely in the top five of all the shooting guards that the Knicks has ever had. Um, yeah. His six-man year campaign was just filthy. It, it was it, That was the best JR. Um, was. Was. And I'm glad it was for us. Um, yeah. And shout out to fucking Jamal Crawford. I fucking will always love Jamal Crawford yeah. right here as a starter for the Knicks for a long time. I wish he came back at least once, uh, especially during that playoff run. Like, those those years it would have been really cool to have him there yeah. uh but i loved jamal when he was part of one it was our starting shooting guard um respect it even respect the stefan when he was here even though we didn't do shit oh, with the sure. mayor he was really good when he was here so i don't want to want to shit on him only problem is i think a lot of people would argue he's better in phoenix than was. i mean you can make an argument he was better in new jersey i'm just saying <laughs> but, that's a good point that's a really good point that's a really good point in Minnesota, uh, he was pretty good too. But I'm saying his time in New York, he was he himself wasn't bad. The team was bad. Right. And shout out to the man that will never get any credit for anything, but shout out to Steve Novak. Mr. Oh, Discount yeah. Double Check. I've talked about him twice this week. It's crazy. It's, you brought the fact that you brought him up. It's funny. Because <laughs> I tell you, there was nothing more entertaining than that game where him and JR were just having a a Boston three party out there they were just draining three <laughs> everywhere yeah. um, and i always love playing 2k uh when like when you started to get hot and he did the discount double check yeah um it was definitely a way to rub it in whoever discount you triple check ooh, ooh. I steve novak was fun he was a I fun, one of the better role players we've ever had was steve novak for sure yeah. and last thing i'm going to say is i do want to give an honorable mention to iman shumpert purely for this remember that game that next day uh, that's why I give him credit. Oh, yeah, for sure. But remember that game the NBA was highlighting where Melo led the Knicks to overtime victory against the Bulls? <clears throat> what no one points out is Iman Shumpert guarded Derrick Rose majority of that game and was getting steals, blocks, 
pressure. Iman Shumpert was being courted as one of the best defenders um, that we had had. And problem was Mike Woodson started to ask him to score the ball, and it didn't look like that was his primary thing. It was defense. Yeah. So that's where Iman started to waver a little bit. But he was he was stout. He was stout for us. So he was known for his defense. Right. Uh, he was defensive guard. He was a point guard technically in Georgia, but mm-hmm. or Georgia Tech, I think it was. Uh, uh, yeah, but you know, it didn't work out. Like we did play him at point guard for a couple games. Um, <clears throat> he didn't stay there. <clears throat> um, but I mean, he became a role player. He became a utility guy, defensive, defensive wing two, three. He defended any wing that we threw at him, and he was athletic. It was fun to see him fly once in a while. And he created Nick's tape. He, the, the name Nick's tape was his idea. So. Yep. And uh, Joel, me and your favorite player during the time, Raymond Felton. Huge shout-out to Raymond Felton. Also. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, I give a shout-out to Chris Duhon, that motherfucker. I think he still has the team leader in the uh, assist in the game. That was fucking crazy. They had like 21, something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I forget that game. I've never seen so many assists in one game um, from a player. So, very uh, big shout out to Chris Duhon. A hundred percent. And what's funny is Raymond Felton couldn't guard uh, a, a opposing point guard to save his life, but that man could get a bucket and an assist like nobody's business. That that guy was was pretty he good. Did his job. And then I guess if we wanted to do an honorable honorable mention for uh, Jeremy Lin, uh, I guess we could. Oh yeah. Yeah. He had a hell of a streak, man. Yeah. Ramelin was a beast. I and mean, that streak is like insane. I really wish he'd never have left, but it is what it is. Yeah, I, I still I still dislike part of Jeremy Lynn for um holding out on us in the <clears> off <throat> run when we needed him. Because remember Amari wasn't yeah, yeah, a problem. Yeah. So we needed Jeremy Lynn to help out Melo. I mean, we still weren't going to beat Miami because Miami. That team was so good too. That Nick team, like, like if I watched that run, that Jeremy Lynn run. You see it, like even without, like sometimes without Mario and Melo on floor, we were good. It's just we were better. No, we were better without them <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> Based on the offense, yeah, because right. it was just the way the offense ran with Jeremy Lynn at point. Uh, but yeah, we definitely needed him there. It would have been very helpful. Would it have changed anything? Against Miami, I can't imagine it would have, but definitely more than a game would have been nice, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and what's crazy is when we found out that he was holding out for the contract and it wasn't necessarily because he was 100% hurt, uh, really stung because it was like no one – remember, Golden yeah. State drafted him and we <laughs> gave him the, the, the actual opportunity. So it's like, yeah. damn, dog, you're going to do Finish it. Yeah, come on. Finish man. it, man. Finish it. Yeah. And then he went on to Houston, had a solid season with Chandler Parsons and uh and James Harden. But then after that, nothing. Nothing really. Yeah, six men after that. He was like he did okay in Charlotte and his time there. He didn't really do much in Los Angeles, but <clears throat> but you know, he had a decent career. Nothing like New York Magic, Joel. That's what nothing he like New York Magic. Nothing like New York. He was a beast. You watch those games, you're like, holy shit, like, what was he on? <laughs> like, Man, th- there was some kind of drug or steroid that he was on. He just, he burst it onto the scene. He embarrassed Kobe. He embarrassed the, the Raptors. That, th- Man, to any, me, anybody in his way. To me, Joel, when you talk all-time Knicks moments, that walk-off yeah. three against the Raptors is all-time mm-hmm. great because it was just like yeah. the balls you have to have as a newcomer to say, yo, clear out, I got it. 
clear out. Let me get this. Yeah. And then he yep. hit it with so much confidence. Nasty. That kid is iconic as a Nick. I don't know why he's not on that uh, that all-time team. All-time all Nick. All-time Because he was there for half a year. That's why. That's true. <laughs> that is true. But, uh, but they do give respect to that team. Uh, that yeah, is, they uh, do. The, uh, the classic Nick teams that you can play with. Yeah, that's one of the teams, yeah. Which, uh, respect to that team. Time out. One thing I never understood was that team made it on, but you won't let the mellow MVP season make it on. I want old time season. Yeah, old timers. I want to play as Jason Kidd. I want to play as Rasheed Wallace. I want to play as <laughs> Thomas. I want to play as those guys. Copeland. Oh Chris man. Copeland. Chris Copeland. Holy shit. Yeah, man. That's a deep cut. You're not a true <clears throat> Nick fan if you don't know Chris Copeland. <laughs> man, Chris Copeland. Fuck. That that is deep. <laughs> that is a true deep cut. Um, but all right, let's move on. Let's talk our last topic here that we got, the MJ Doc. Um, this is a little bittersweet for us. Um, we are Nick fans, so any memory of Jordan is usually not a fond one. Um, a positive but, one. <laughs> yeah, no, not, not really a good one. Um, but I will say this, man, me being someone that was born in 93, so obviously I was Goo Goo Gaga through that Jordan run. Yeah. Um, by the time I knew what Jordan basketball was, he was a wizard. And I was kind of just like, ha, this is the guy you guys are, are saying was such a threat? Look at this. He's pathetic. And it was like – He's still a beast. No, he was still averaging 20. Still beast, yeah. Still put up 50. Yeah, I'm like, who is this guy? And then, like, you see this documentary and you kind of go, whoa. He is the reason uh, Barkley, no ring. Malone. No ring. <laughs> Jeezy had to go with, with the Heat to get his ring. Reggie, so no ring. There's he he legit was the '90s killer. Um, and it's just, it's crazy to think that one team and one player impacted an entire decade. Joel, he left and came back and still affected a decade. Yeah. Um. So, he ended. He's like, give me my decade. Yeah. He's like, this is mine. I'm coming back for it. Um, so I look at it and I go, there's so much, like, I didn't know, um, you know, and apologies uh, to anyone who's like, duh, but I didn't know his father was murdered. I thought his father just passed away. Oh, wow. Um, so to see that, I was just like, oh, my God. Like, I could never imagine that happening. And then you calling me and going, yo, uh, you know, I heard the news, but like, we still need you to podcast today. Like, I could never imagine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm not in the right state of mind at the moment. <laughs> At all. And he went out there and balled. Like, not just like, oh, he put up so-so numbers. He balled. So, to me, I always um, give a lot of respect to people that can go through a tragedy. Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas, when his sister uh, his sister got murdered. Yeah. Uh, came out and put out the game of his life. Um, it's, it's not easy to do because you're kind of blocking everything out. Um, and that's not something a lot of people can do. So, seeing that um seeing the whole gambling issues um seeing that he legit was the man <laughs> his rookie year all the way to the day uh he stopped playing for the bulls was insane mm -hmm. uh because a lot of people go well, jordan was nothing without pippen no jordan wasn't a champion without pippen jordan was still slaying mofos <laughs> without pippen though yeah, yeah. Um, it didn't matter who was on the court. Oh, <laughs> he was going to kill you. <laughs> he was killing you. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, no, you just think about the guy that won defensive player of the year, the guy that was uh led the led the season in steals, all team defense, slam dunk champion. Uh I was surprised he didn't do three point contests. It was just it was nothing Jordan couldn't do from eighty nine <laughs> <laughs> and don't tell him he can't do it either. Oh, we'll figure out. <laughs> man, I'm just picturing right now if Larry Bird came out and said, Michael can never beat me in three-point contests. Michael would have been Steph Curry at that time. <laughs> he would have became Steph Curry. Um, so what were some of the things that uh, that you learned from this documentary? Um, I mean, a lot of it I knew already, but still, like, it was nice experiencing a lot of bad behind the behind the doors type of thing. Like the there his interaction with his teammates and how he was with his teammates. That part I didn't really know. How he cheated his teammates. Uh he was always on their ass and how much of a a dictator he was on the court, basically. Because he's always demanding, you know, greatness. So it's kinda of be it's got put pressure because no one could reach his level. But the right. the fact that he wants you to be there, uh I mean he obviously wants to win. That's how much he wants to win. So it was just fun experiencing it, seeing all the teams he played and all the te- – like, it didn't take much to, to set him off or to uh, ignite the flame inside of him to try to kill you. Uh, he just – so he'll look for something, even if you say – like, that. I forgot what, I forgot which team they played. They showed up in the documentary, but like, it's like he had a great – oh, it's the Clippers, and I forget the name of the player, but um, the kid uh, had a really good game against him. And I think he, I forgot what he had, uh, like 40-something points or whatever. And Jordan, <laughs> the next game, kills this kid. I think he had 40 in the first quarter, or the first half. And, um, and he's like, what, what set you off? He's like, oh, he said, uh, I forgot what the kid apparently said, but apparently the kid didn't say anything to him. But he made yeah. it up just to hype himself. Yeah, I, there was nothing funnier than the guy going, so did he say it? No, he didn't say it. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> what was what was that for then? Like you embarrass this kid. Like yeah. for what? Um, but no, I mean, but that just goes to his greatness. And I really felt for him when he started crying, uh, when talking about how if you don't like how I play, then you just, you know, you don't want to win. Because how I played resulted in six out of six. Uh, you know, and to me, I love that work ethic. Um, because when you look at all the greats in their respective fields, they would tell you like, picture, picture working out with like a bodybuilder and kind of trying to half ass. They'd be on you the same way. Like, no, we don't play that here, man. Blood, sweat, and tears is what we put into this. I expect you to do the same thing. If I'm great and I'm working this hard, you should too. Um, and honestly, it took a punch in the face to launch Steve Kerr's career. So, I mean, you kind of go, it works. I mean, Steve Kerr went on to win rings in Chicago and then in San Antonio. So it didn't even stop. It didn't even stop. He won four in a row. <laughs> yeah. So um, I just – I look at it and I kind of go, as great as – and this is where I kind of want to swerve you a little bit, Joel. As much as oh. I thought this was the all-time greatest documentary ever – I do right. honestly think there's only one documentary that could outpace Michael Jordan's. What's that? Well, two. I'm sorry, two. There's two documentaries that could outdo Michael Jordan's. One is Tiger Woods. That story would be freaking remarkable to hear. Um, and the second one is LeBron's. LeBron. LeBron's story would be all-time great. 
to see, especially walking through his mindset in that last year in Cleveland, the first time around uh, where Dan Gilbert said he had quit on this, uh, on the Cavs. I would love to hear from the other Cavaliers players, Gilbert maybe. Um, and then hearing LeBron's run uh, in Miami and then hearing when he came back to Cleveland and then when he had the fallout with Kyrie and then when he left Cleveland high and dry again. So, I mean, there's just so much about LeBron's career that to me is way more dramatic than Jordan's. That makes it more appealing. It would be interesting, uh, for sure. But remember, that the last dance wasn't necessarily just about Jordan. It was right. mostly about Jordan. It's really about the team. <laughs> the last dance for the Bulls. That's why I had. So there was there was some Phil Jackson. There was some Scotty Pippen. There was some Dennis Rodman. They sprinkled the rest. But those are the main four guys that you got the bulk of during the last dance documentary. And of course, Jordan took up at least. 80% of the rest of the documentary. <laughs> That's what I think is interesting about a LeBron doc, because let's say 10, 15 years we get it, we could hear Kyrie's perspective, JR's perspective, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh's, Udonis Haslam, Anthony Davis. Pat Riley. Pat Riley. Like, there's just so many people we could hear. Mike Brown is the only, only head coach of LeBron's I want to hear from, because he was the coach of LeBron when he first left Cleveland. And then remember, Mike Brown was fired that very next season, the LeBron effect. So I'm like, I want to hear from him because I think people forget Mike Brown had LeBron in that team as the number one overall team in the East back when the East was not a joke, <laughs> when they weren't just two teams deep. Um, they ultimately lost to the Magic, which still shocks me, but I want to hear about those things. LeBron has so many losses that are impactful. That you want to hear people talk about them. So to Reaction. me, right. So what to was me, his mindset? Why you move so much? Why are you such a flat lever? <laughs> <laughs> Why can't you keep head coaches? Um, but no. Where are you going? Exactly. But to me, it's just, that's the one thing that made Jordan's documentary so enticing is that there was so much more drama to this bull teams than I think anyone ever imagined. Um, the fact that Dennis Rodman, when he should have been practicing, was at, was at WCW oh was like the funniest shit ever, man. Like picture you're on your, your, your bike, you're working out, and you flip on ESPN and you see your starting center wrestling with Hulk Hogan when he should be here with you on a stationary bike. It was the starting power forward, but yes, he did starting play a lot of forward, I'm sorry, starting power forward. But that's crazy. So um, I, I just want to hear more about that. But I think Tiger Woods, I think Kobe Bryant's would be great. Only issue is um, a lot of a lot of what you would have wanted to hear, you unfortunately couldn't because unfortunately he passed away. Um, so that's yeah. thing I think would take the legs. From that would hurt. <laughs> don't like to watch that one. <laughs> like, oh no. To me, more than anything, Joel, I want to hear Kobe break down completely his last game as a Laker, that 60-pointer, I want to hear him break down his mentality. Yeah. Like, how were you able to do that? I call it the 60 for 60 game. There 60 points on 60 shots. There you go. There you go. The 60 for 60 game. I would love to hear <laughs> Shaq said he told Kobe before the game, go we'll drop 60 tonight. And Kobe was like, all right, yeah, sure. Yeah. Let's um, go. 
but Kobe's journey to me mirrors Michael Jordan's. So it would have been on par with the last dance. Um, but unfortunately he passed away. So there's just so much of his story. We wouldn't be able to hear. Um, so that would suck, but definitely LeBron James and Tiger Woods all time documentaries would have been great. I'm personally going to watch Lance Armstrong's, uh, 30 for 30 tomorrow. Um, and Bruce Lee's next month. I want to hear how Lance got away with, with uh, scammer of the decade. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I want to hear more about Bruce Lee, um, because I didn't grow up on Bruce Lee. So, um, you know, just hearing more about him, hearing more about his story uh, is uber unique to me. So I can't wait for that. Um, but I enjoyed this doc overall. Uh, Great. Did you enjoy it? I loved it. I'm very, uh, I was very happy. It came out at a very good time because we needed something to take our minds off of things and we don't have any sports and it was close enough. And it, it made you relive a time that, man, it's, for some people that, that they weren't alive and there were people that, just it's been 20 years so it's it's nice it's nice to see again yeah no i'm completely with you it was refreshing <laughs> to kind of get a feel of man this was this was greatness now we'll ask you last question before we get out of here uh would you have any interest in the golden state run yeah that'd be fun to watch the the especially the last the last year uh the non-last dance <laughs> like, yeah will he won't he will he won't he uh, with Kevin Durant, uh, even though he does make a bad decision in the end, um, is he just destined to make bad decisions the rest of his life? That's really my question. Yeah, well, I mean, he made two back-to-back. He played injured, yeah. and then he went to the net. I mean, obviously, he doesn't yeah. have – like, he's not smart. So, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> But, no, I definitely want to hear that because I feel like there's bad blood between Draymond and, and Durant. Um, yeah. So, I feel I like – he doesn't mind being, you know, making pussy decisions. So, I yeah. mean, he has ball. I'll give him that, you know, for not caring what people think about him, but also caring a lot about what people think about him. It's weird. Which is weird. It's a very weird dichotomy. <laughs> but, um, I definitely want to hear, because I think Draymond and, and Duran's beef is up there with uh, Isaiah and Michael Jordan. Like, I think 20 years from now, how Michael spoke about Isaiah is exactly how Draymond would speak about Durant or vice versa. Yeah. Uh, I think it would still be just like I I I don't like him. I I, I don't like the guy. He's a bitch. <laughs> yeah, those would be Draymond's exact words. Um, but yeah, I can't wait. Um, this is a great comeback episode for Much to Do About Nothing, man. Um, hopefully we get a lot more news coming up soon, whether it's sports or geek related. Uh, so we could do some more of these, man. I'm glad we got to do this because you were. You were ready to talk some Justice League, man. So I'm glad you well, got to get on here and talk some Justice League. Yeah, I mean, because I'm not saying like if we look, we get Justice League, this new Justice League, and we don't get fucking Green Lantern and Martian Manhunter in this fucking movie, I'm gonna be fucking mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's not it's not Justice League without a Green Lantern. It's just not, just in my opinion. I completely agree. And to me, I'm saying this, Zach. If you have this, you have this opportunity. Go balls out, Dark Side. Uh, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, just go go crazy, man. Uh, make this something that we look back at and we go, damn, that was good. Like, that was really yeah. freaking good. Um, Now's your chance to go off, Zach, so make it count. Right, and what's funny is, Joel, I was telling Tia this, me and you didn't hate Justice League. We obviously know it was completely flawed. No. We didn't yeah. hate it, so we don't look back and go, thank goodness we're getting a better version of it. 
We didn't hate it. Yeah, <laughs> so I didn't, for us, it's like, okay. Yes, I didn't hate BVS the first time. I'm like, I didn't need an extended cut. I was like, I, I didn't hate it. <laughs> you know? Right. So to us, we're like, the first versions weren't horrible. We've seen horrible movies. Those were not, those were not horrible. Uh, completely very, flawed, yes. Flawed, yes. Horrible, no. Um, yeah so um here's to snyder cut being uh good and successful also i want to give a huge shout out to jeff johns uh whose star girl series really good both dc universe and cw amazing 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 we got to see four or five episodes of it um <laughs> great show can't wait to see uh what else they do with it um also to everyone that's confused about this let me and joel clear this up for you Swamp Thing coming to the CW does not mean a season two of Swamp Thing follows in suit. Right. This means they are filling the voids of uh, programming so they can start shooting new seasons of their shows. That is it. Now, right. the question I was asked that I want to pose to you, Joel, was Swamp Thing was very much rated R for DC Universe. Are they going to try no. to water it down? I said no, because you would have to reshoot it to water it down. Um, so I very much think what we saw in DC Universe is what we'll see in CW. Do you agree? For the most part, I mean they they could probably uh, bleep shit out if they wanted to, or but I, I don't know. I really I will have to see. Uh, not that I really plan on watching it again. Yeah, because I could just watch the Universe if I want to watch it right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. But, you know. I'm not doing an episodic when I could just watch it all at once on on DC. Oh, right now. Yeah, um, but also I just wanted to clear that up because a lot of people are assuming that this means a season two will, will come from this. Um, to me, the reasons why they didn't even do the full season one is what lends me to believe that, regardless of how well it does um, viewership wise, they're not going to want to do more of it. Um, and they got Justice League Dark coming out, so don't really need. Me and my the end game was Justice League Dark. So if you're gonna do Justice League Dark, you you, you know you already you skipped over the you know the beginning part, so you just go right to the the group part. <laughs> the baby steps, which That's is cool. fine with me. Um, yeah. and and we gotta think of it like this, Joel. Justice League Dark could uh could end up being a uh shared universe to where they do end up having their own shows. Uh, and Maybe. then come back. Backwards cable. Yeah, they come back for a crossover of uh, Justice League Dark, but then yeah. they have their own their own shows. So I mean, there's plenty of ways they could go, but no, I don't think you're getting a Swamp Thing season two. Um, but please do still support it. It's a phenomenal show. If you did not, yeah, see I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, and it had a really cool ending. Not the one me and Joel were were hoping for. Um, no. but close enough. Close enough. <laughs> Close enough. Uh, we have nothing negative to say about that show. We enjoyed it very much. Uh, so if you did not see it, please go check it out. Um, I, I think you will enjoy it. As far as that, that's all me and Joel got for you on this week's episode of Much to Do About Nothing. Um, appreciate you joining me, Joel. I appreciate joining you, Joel. Absolutely. Until <laughs> next time. Peace.